What do you want? Screaming queens. Listen, I am two seconds away from calling the police. Screaming Queens Horror Podcast. What do you want? Screaming Queens Horror Podcast to your death. Something is trying to get inside my body, and you want to sleep with me. Better give me those shoes, they're mine. Give them back to me. Well, a, a boy's best friend is his mother. Hey, shouldn't you be folding towels somewhere, sniffing jock straps? It is time to keep your appointment with the Wicker Man. Rubs the lotion on its skin or else gets the hose again. What have you done to its eyes? I see no manhood between your legs. You're going to need death now. <laughs> the living dead. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Get away from her, you bitch. It was an asylum. And it was hell. 20 years of pure hell. The devil wins sometimes. What's that? Gods and monsters. Hello and welcome to Screaming Queens, the horror podcast. With the horror podcast. Podcast. Again. Hello and welcome to Screaming Queens, the horror podcast with the Queen I view. My name is Jonathan Larkin. I'm Jonathan Butler. Stephen Moore. I'm Martin Fennerty. Um, and we've we've just um, sat and watched the film together, haven't we, boys? Yeah. We, that was fun, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. We had um, we had popcorn and we had chocolate and fudge and fudge. We have fudge. And peanut delights. And peanut. How were your vegan peanut delights? Peanutty and delightful. There you go. <laughs> Did you leave any? Well, I only had one. I might and try one. Greedy. Yeah. One finger at a time. One finger. One finger. And how are your chocolatey rings? <laughs> no, no chocolatey rings. They're rings. almost gone. <laughs> <laughs> Quite creamy. Quite creamy. Quite creamy. I can, I can attest to that myself. <laughs> um, so tonight we have um, been watching some uh, a video nasty. We've gone back to our video nasty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Have you noticed? We just oh, yeah, we did. did that by accident. Jonathan, what are you staring at? The lamp in the corner is just freaking me out. Sorry. Um, I thought like, he could say a ghost or something. No, no. It's been a long day. Uh, <laughs> so we're three years in and we haven't really covered much of Lucio Fulci, which is um, a little bit of an oversight on our part, so we thought we'd best dive in there. Um, so Lucio Fulci is known as a misogynist by some, a hack by others, an egomaniac, a bully, a lunatic. But some hail him as better director than Dario Argento. From comedies and spaghetti westerns to jelly, Fulci turned his hand to every genre you can think of. But then in 1979, Fulci found horror, or horror found him. He was approached to direct a zombie movie that involved bare breasts, tropical islands and a shark. The film was a hit, and Fulci would then go on to create some of the most iconic Italian horrors of the period, not to mention some cult gems like Murder Rock, which is like climax but good. <laughs> he even half directed the sequel to the film we're talking about tonight before he got too sick and had to be replaced by Bruno Mattei. Fulci's health problems and ever decreasing budget saw his career fizzle out. He's a personal favourite of mine, and Screaming Queens will be covering a whole slew of his work in the com- coming year. But for tonight, we're whipping our tits out, strapping on our diving gear <laughs> mm-hmm. to plunge headlong into the murky depths of Zombie 2, aka Zombie Flesh Eaters. Probably about four more AKAs as well, isn't there? Yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so what do we think of zombies, just in general? Are we zombie fans? I quite like zombies. Yeah. Yeah. We're talking zombie films. In general, just like the whole thing, because obviously zombies have crossed over into TV now in a big way. Well, the dead it's all sort of fizzling out now, isn't it? But, yeah, that, that put me off it. Walking Dead was just dog shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, one season was good, and then the second season was like, why am I even watching this anymore? It's yeah. crap. But then I continued on for like another six until I wanted to cry. That's your fault, yeah. though. I, I know. <laughs> That's not my fault. I was a massacre. Yeah. I, can, I carried on until season four, I think, or partway through season four. No, they were like sitting on a farm, and they were talking about what's in a barn. And they did that for a whole season. I thought, season no, two. I'm out. Yeah. I'm done. Yeah, this is crap. I mean, the end and the punchline to that, where you realise what was in the barn, yeah, was really good. But you have to sit there. Whole there wasn't the zombies. The twist was zombies. <laughs> well, the twist was zombies, but it was <laughs> no, exactly. Like... The twi- no, no, the twist was zombies. But spoiler: one of the characters, her daughter, went missing yeah, at and the beginning, it, and it was it was zombie hair. In the barn, so that, was, I remember yeah. that being quite a really like quite a good oh my god moment. The other, but it, it took too long to get. It had a very good habit of having a really good opening episode and a really good closing episode to every season, and then everything in the middle was just yeah. bullshit. Just like Game of Thrones. I've never watched that. But <laughs> never yeah. seen it. Yeah. Oh god. That's it's another one. Over hate machine and I'm done. zombies. I can't think of any zombie films that are really obsessive about. Yeah. There's good zombie films, but I don't obsess. Day of the Dead. Yeah. I think Day of the is too slow. I watched it recently and, and was a bit disappointed because oh, well, they sit around talking for about 45 minutes with nothing happening. Mm. However, I do really like the Resident Evil games. I like the yeah. games. Yeah. yeah. I, in, as far as games go, Resident Evil and zombies are the best in the world. Yeah. So, Night of the Living Dead kickstarted the zombie craze as we know it in 1968. Well, it brought it back, didn't it? There was a zombie. I'm getting there. All right. Don't fuck with my story. George A. Romero's take on the dead coming back to life was seen as an important milestone in horror and film in general, in that it had a very strong political element to it. Of course, he'd go on to create Dawn of the Dead ten years later, taking a pop at consumerism, much like he'd taken a swipe for civil rights in the original. But zombies were around before that. All right. See? Got there. Right. <laughs> um, we have White Zombie in 1932. I Walked With a Zombie in 1943. Plague of the Zombies from Hammer in 1966. In fact, there's another zombie film that doesn't get a lot of recognition. That's uh, The Ghostbreakers from 1940. Mm-hmm. Um, starring Bob Hope and Paulette Goddard. And it's actually like a rom-com meets a haunted house horror. But there's like a zombie thrown in for good measure as well. And um, I remember the zombie and that terrifying me as a child. Mm-hmm. Um, and it still gives me shivers now. But before Romero, the zombies were sort of shuffling around at the at like the command of some villain, um, who wanted to use them to do their bidding. They weren't the gut munching, brain eating fiends we now know and love. So the older vo- films um, tap into the voodoo origins of the whole zombie thing, mm-hmm. which um, Romero sort of moves away from, didn't he? It was all about. It's a comet, isn't it? A comet in Night of Living Dead. So or... did they explain it? So you get a little. I might be thinking of another one where you get an ex, a super explanation at the end. There's like there was a comet in the sky and cosmic rays or something caused everyone to come back to life. Well, okay. that's the end of one of them, isn't it? I can't remember. Can't remember. remember. It might be the remake of my film. Dead, maybe. Because yeah, yeah. That's, that's Tony Todd, is it? Yeah. yeah. It's probably more likely the remake, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. 
he doesn't really ref- they're never actually referred to as zombies in Night of the Living Dead are they no. ghouls or something or something like that mm. and what about Dawn of the Dead do they call them zombies and that I think there's kind of like an unwritten rule where you can't you're not supposed to you can't you can't really refer to them as zombies yeah. you can't say there's Z words or the Z words whatever yeah. you are well between Night of the Living Dead and Dawn of the Dead so European filmmakers got sort of got in on the act before Fulci did uh, and there's a there's a really good one called Living Dead at the Manchester Morgue, mm. which is a Spanish Italian co-production, and they filmed it in the Peak District. Wow. And it's quite funny, sort of sort of noticing all the uh, road signs and stuff mm-hmm. that the places that you sort of go to on your way to like Yorkshire, and you know it's like Penrith. Like, yeah, there's <laughs> like quite quaint things in the yeah. background. Do you think that really doesn't suit with a, with a zombie movie? And then there was one. There's also one in '72 called Tombs of the Blind Dead. I was going to say, but wasn't Blind Dead? Have like you said, yeah, have you seen that? No, it's quite hard to get older, aren't they? Because Andy Roberts from the Nasty Pasty podcast. Yeah, people rave about them, don't they? Yeah, he says it was. Tombs of the, the Blind Dead. There's about four of them, I think, isn't there? Romero started it all off really, but he didn't monopolize it all, which is why it's perfectly believable that zombie flesh, flesh eaters was apparently. Conceived before Dawn of the Dead came out, the idea. Mm. So they conceived the idea before it came out, and basically the story goes that um, the writer, whose name I've written down, I can't remember. Have you got it there? Dordando Scacchetti. So he was approached by someone with an Italian comic book that was about a cowboy who meets the living dead, and they said, "Would you be interested in writing?" A cowboy zombie movie. Why has no one ever made that film? <laughs> a zombie western. Zombie western. I feel like there has been something. If they just got through being there's a zombie a, western. Was it like Billy the Kid versus Dracula or something? It's like a z- there is that. <laughs> there is that. <laughs> yeah, it, it makes more sense as a story mm. than the than a key moment in the film we're going to talk yeah. about. They did the game, didn't they? There was a Red Dead. There was a Red Dead Redemption. Redemption had yeah. zombies. Other yeah. zombie yeah. western things. So yeah. Um, so they came to him and said, "We'd like you to make a zombie. We'd like you to write a zombie western." Mm. And he turned. I was like, um, "No, I don't think I can do that, but I can do like a zombie action adventure flick set on a tropical island." So then he started writing a script called Nightmare Island, and then Island of the Living Dead, and then once it was sort of underway, Dario Argento got involved with Dawn of the Dead. Yeah, didn't he? Because he did the... Didn't he do the Italian cut of it? It was like an Italian cut that was 40 minutes short and most people prefer it. And it's got uh, Goblin in the soundtrack. Yeah. So he did that and then um, they called it... They were going to call that project Zombie in Italy. So then someone said, oh, we should call our film Zombie 2. And then everyone will think it's a sequel and automatically come and see it. Well, that happened a lot, didn't it? There's like all kinds of... Like one called Alien 2, Alien on Earth. And it's... Yeah. Nothing to do with no, it. No, it's like some people go and cave and they go pothole and there's alien underground and yeah. even contamination is kind of just to the rip off of aliens, isn't it? Yeah. Find all these, but they couldn't have, they didn't have enough money to film it in space. Well not obviously not film it in space, but they couldn't afford <laughs> sets. Yeah. It's not like space. There's cheap sets. <laughs> they didn't even have enough mo- <laughs> money to make it look like it was in space, so just oh we'll just do it on an island somewhere. Yeah. yeah. That's very easy. I think that's like everyone always gives these, you know, like that um the stupid film producers that always do remakes of like famous blockbusters that are right now. I can't remember what the oh the asylum yeah the asylum yeah everyone always gives them like a stick 
for what they do, but I think pretending your movie is a sequel is much worse. You <laughs> 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 totally just cashing in, aren't you? But it was the Italian way, though, in the 70s and, like, the early 80s. There were loads of films that just sort of cashed in on American hits. They were like, all right, well, we can do that. Wasn't even, is it Bay of Blood? Was originally billed as, like, is it, like, Psycho 2 or something? That had, like, some sort of, yeah. (laughs) It was, like, some sort of sequel that they tried to tack it on to, didn't they? yeah. Um, so, so yeah, that's so that's why they call it Zombie Two, essentially. And then in the UK, we got we got Zombie Flesh Eaters. That's what they called it here. Mm. Um, zombie Two, even though it cashed in on the Romero stuff, a lot of it actually harks back to the original zombie stuff. So yeah, the white it's zombie all voodoo, stuff, voodoo based, isn't it? Takes it back down that sort of supernatural element. Does anyone want to jump in with what the Stephen? What was your initial reaction? I enjoyed it. I think it's fun. I like the effects are just unreal. It's gross. It's disgusting. I don't know if there was any story or any characters or plots or anything of any sort in there. <laughs> but the plot was the plot's thin, isn't it? I it's mean. thin as like being generous. I just think it kind of exists and it happens, and I'm not mad about it because it's gone all the way through. Yeah, yeah. I just don't know exactly know what I watched. Martin? It sort of feels like they made it up as they went along. But Vulture had an idea partway through and decided, okay, let's just fling that in. It's a good film. It's a great film. It's entertaining. I think it's like, it's not slick. But if you want gore and you want something that's slightly racist, then this is the film. (laughs) (laughs) Where is the movie for something slightly racist? We always want gore and slight racism. (laughs) Slight racism. It's just implied racism. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 yeah. It's, it's just it's, implied racism. <laughs> yeah. That's okay then. It's alright. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Butler? No, I love I, I love it. It's great. I remember seeing it when I was a kid. I think when it first, when it finally came out um, uncut, it was all, it was a Vipco or something. They brought out yeah. the, the, they went back through the vault and all these videos, nasties that have been cut for years were finally bringing them back. So I saw it then. Oh, I loved it. Was that on video or DVD? Or? That was video for VHS. So it would have been like the it Canon the, Scan, the cropped one? Yeah. I think it did when it... Oh, was it? Oh, no, I think it was out then. It, they were still cut then, weren't they? When it was yeah. on VHS and it wasn't until the DVD came right. out. I remember the, the cover of the hand coming out the ground. Yeah, yeah. That was the first like uncut one, wasn't it? So yeah. I saw it on VHS when they brought those out and then saw it on DVD. Yeah. Finally uncut. No, I loved it. It was yeah. great. So was it actually banned? Yeah, it was banned. F- it, well, it was one of the video nasties. But I think before that, I think it was actually banned by the BBFC for gore, wasn't mm. it? Well, there was edited versions because there's the bit with the uh, with the eye. Yeah, that cuts away before it doesn't. It? So mm-hmm. very tame in comparison. Yeah, I think it was banned initially, and then they was they allowed them to release it with cuts. And yeah. it wasn't until like the nineties that it was released on cuts. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, I feel like it's one of those films I mean we'll get into some of the plot and, plot and stuff um, um, but I think it's one of those films that earns its right to be called a video nasty because yeah. just because of the gruesome mm. nature of it really it isn't like reprehensible like Nazi exploitation uh, or, or, it's just good old, or it's rape just, revenge or anything no. it's just good old fashioned horror yeah. but it earns its place for being really grisly yeah, the a good amount so of blood. Yeah. And like effective blood, not just like blood everywhere. Yeah. It's like there's blood gushing out of everything and it's just enjoyable to yeah. see that. Definitely. It's not disgusting though, is it? It doesn't like 
it's good Jim, for. I can it's, believe it's yeah. like it's good for, and yeah. it's quite it is quite visceral. But there's no there's and it and it does make you react. But there was no point where I thought, oh my god, my stomach's turning. No. Yeah, no. Mm. It's a bit tongue in cheek, I think. In it that is way, a bit no, it doesn't. It doesn't it's, take itself too seriously. It's always it's very visceral, but almost that it's almost it's not quite crap. But it is almost like it's yeah. visceral in a bit of a in a, in in a bit, bit of a, a cro- jokey way. Yeah, it's quite calm. Yeah, yeah, it is calm. It's got a calmness to it, I think. Yeah, a lot of the blood is quite uh, over the top, and yeah. it's yeah. very red. It's almost like the hammer over the top. I love that hammer, yeah. Yeah. yeah, definitely. So the story uh, is quite simple. Um, essentially, it's what it's about. Is a boat rocks up to, into the Hudson River in New York, seemingly abandoned, and then these two harbor patrol officers come on board to investigate. Um, they find. Um, it's been trashed. There's rotten food everywhere. There's cans of coke that are closed. They're still not opened. Um, the joys, the joys of HD. Yeah. The centipedes. Mm-hmm. Um, there's yeah, it's just gross. And then one of them is attacked downstairs by a big fat zombie, who rips his throat out, and and they zoom in on the wounds as it gushes. Yeah. Um, and then the zombie is shot and falls plummets into the water, and then we cut to um Peter West, who's a um. He's a JNO, isn't he? And his editor, played by Lucio Fulci, sends him to investigate. And when he goes to investigate, he meets the daughter of the boat owner, mm. who's called um, Anne Bowles. Mm. Anne Bowles. Um, my note on Anne Bowles was whenever they say Miss Bowles, every queer person watching this film must think the same thing. Cabaret! Cabaret! <laughs> 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 um, um, so they meet and they um, essentially what 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 it is what the story of it is they go off to investigate what happened to her dad he thinks he's going to get a scoop she wants to find out what happened to dad um, so they go to the island of Matul 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 yeah. which someone, <laughs> someone says that it sounded like my tool and then all the way through the film all I could say was my tool my tool, <laughs> my tool there's some good lines that they, I think they must know and they play up to it like. Your, your dad's been on my tool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> my tool Carry is on. <laughs> Carry on. Tropical Island. Yeah. Carry on. <laughs> Carry on, my tool. <laughs> Carry on on my tool. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Um, oh, I, I, I liked uh, your dad. Your dad was on my tool. Yeah, a terrible virus. It was a- <laughs> Every year, your dad would come and spend time on my tool. <laughs> this is the level you're with, <laughs> listeners. By the way, there we go. There we are. We've hit our sweet spot. Um, so they go to my tool and um, they meet uh, Brian and Susan, who, who are cruising around my tool, um, who are like a happy-go-lucky young American couple. Extra water stored in the galley. Ahoy there. Hi. How yourself? Hi, how you doing? I am Peter West, and uh, this is Ann Bowles. Susan Barrett. You're talking to Brian Hull. Now, you wouldn't be looking for a boat ride. We would. We hear you're going on a tour of the island. Yeah, a little cruise. Two months of fishing, bathing, and sunshine. Well, we have to go to Matul. We're trying to locate Ann's father. She hasn't heard from him for some time. Matul. That's not a cool place to head. 
natives claim it's cursed. They avoid it like the plague. Well, we have to go there all the same. And you want a ride from us? If that's possible. And experience with boats? Uh-huh. And the lady? I was born on a boat. Okay, Peter. We'll have to load more supplies. You pay your share. Deal? A deal. Step on board. Here. Look, I'll warn you right now. Don't expect us to come sightseeing once we get there. I've found it never pays to ignore native superstitions. He's very ginger, she's very beautiful, and is wearing clothes that are so flimsy she just shouldn't be wearing them. Oh my god. Just, yeah. just be naked. Um, her nipples were cutting through it. They were. And they, they say, yeah, okay, we'll take you to the island and we'll find out what happened to your dad. They get to the island and the island is in the, in the middle of a zombie outbreak and Dr. Maynard and his wife it's are civilised. Zombie outbreak, to be fair. But to begin, take the time. To begin with. They definitely take the time. <laughs> and we don't know whether it's because of science or voodoo or I think it's a mixture of both. Yeah. All I we know is... No. All we know is we've got, like, ongo bongo drums... Mm. Uh, beaten in the background throughout most of it um, and black people are to be feared mm-hmm. yeah that's what mm-hmm. we are but yeah, the it, it interrupts the music doesn't it to a, like an ominous note that's it like, as a, very very sinister this, a, this black man is sinister <coughs> and all he is is sinister. sitting on sitting by the Water. Didn't yeah. he even and he blessed. Pray. He maybe even he bless prays. himself. So if yeah. anything, he was a good character. Yeah. But he, he played was, all yeah. these sinister music. He was praying for them. Yeah, he was praying for them. So there we have it. From the opening shot, so we watched this film together, and we sort of set the tone for the film when even before the film started, and the name, the names were coming up of the cast. Stephen <laughs> giggled because um, there's an actress called Ariata Gay, and he was like, <laughs> <laughs> "Gay." <laughs> 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 It's just still funny. <laughs> <laughs> it's still funny. Um, and we've got like a great soundtrack, um, which uh, is a bit like synth voodoo beat. Synth voodoo mm. beat, yeah. There's a synth voodoo beat by Fabio Fritzi, which then you, Jonathan, you sent. You yeah, it wasn't, this is not the first film to use, well, not that exact score. If you listen to uh, Luigi Cozzi, did his own version of Godzilla. Uh, right. Uh, a few years before right. this, and... So unfairly, very, very, very similar is appears as the soundtrack to Luigi oh, Godzilla, which gets called Godzilla, right? Because it is, and it's basically just the original fifty-four Godzilla, but with loads of psychedelic effects. <laughs> it's like colour tinted and lo- and and the soundtrack over it. Uh-huh. Okay.
So yeah, the joys of HD, I noticed that the, one of the cans that rolled out had been opened and you two noticed that the victim had gold, oh, gold, gold fillings. fillings. Yeah, Although it does alarm me for it when it says if no one's on this boat we can make a bit of money. Yeah, I think it's like a salvage law, isn't it? Whereas if there's mm-hmm. nobody on the boat, then whoever recovers it is up to like is um, they're liable to get like ten percent of what it's worth. Yeah, yeah he said we could get like a nice bonus. Yeah. Or yeah. So maybe all all those boats he salvaged, he's got himself some nice gold teeth. Yeah. That makes me know. This boat is abandoned, and the only question is why. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. How did it get here? Yeah. Where are the people? Yeah. How much money am I going to make off? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, with the first, so the first shot of New York City, uh, Lucio Fulci can really make New York look beautiful. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. it made me think of the opening shot of New York River, which he made like three years later. And the World, the World Trade Center towers, the Twin Towers are there, aren't they? And it, they must have just opened. Yeah. Then. Oh, yeah. And the, Manhattan isn't quite as built up as it was. 20 years later, so they look even taller yeah. in the skyline, don't they? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, he does make this film look beautiful, and um, I think the thing with a lot of those films back then, they've all, they've all been sort of, not now, but for a long time, they were tarnished as being this cheap trash that came in from Europe because people were watching them on VHS, so it was like pan and scan, cropped, mm. fuzzy, Whereas now we get them in Blu-ray and we see that they were shot in widescreen. They made they put a lot into making them look yeah. really good. Some people, yeah. some people don't like that. Though. Some people argue, like purists, will say you're supposed you're supposed to see it on VHS. It's like why are we watching the you know why do we want these like Jess Franco films or something that are meant to just be pure trash? Why do we want this in a 4K remaster? You know, it's not what it was meant to be. But yeah, but like films like this, like Fulci's films, a lot of them, he he wanted them to look amazing. Yeah, didn't yeah. he? So the, like loses like some to. of the griminess, I think. Yeah, yeah. Some Blu-rays put it out with grime on it. Well, so yeah, added grime. Grindhouse version, so it's got like all oh, well, like shit and yeah. extra grime. Yeah. So we've got Tisa Farrow as Anne Bowles. So sometimes I wonder if the dubbing is what makes you think that the acting is bad because it doesn't quite go with what they're doing. But I just think she was no, terrible. No, she was bad. What makes her ter- what what is conclusive about her being terrible? It's her face. Mm. She either has no facial expression or she's wide eyed. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. that's and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. So you just you're never really convinced by what she's I think doing. The most convincing part was when she pretended to be a slut at the beginning. Yeah. When she was acting pretending to be a slut. Yeah. 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 She just has to act as if she's acting and then she'll yeah. be alright. Yeah. She needs she needs to pretend that she was pretending to be someone's daughter. <laughs> Our first group belly laugh came when she was trying to slip past the guard to get onto a dad's <laughs> And she inexplicably hides behind a bin that is like a quarter of her size. <laughs> what was she thinking? <laughs> then she gets up from behind the bin and then just casually walks onto the bin yeah. anyway. <laughs> so why would she full, In full size of anybody. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So when she's on the boat, she meets Peter, and he basically they're going to get caught by the security guard. So he's like, you know, I know what we can do, and mm. they pretend to be like quarrelling lovers to sort of get out of their little. So, yeah, dog and dog and gone wrong. Dog and gone wrong. <laughs> when dog and goes wrong. Was <laughs> uh, it? He set off for just a, a, an empty box car somewhere. Yeah. But she wants to not box car again. Yeah, again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Give me the same old story. Well, actually, officer. Uh, same old story, huh? This is all your fault. You realize that, don't you? 
It was his idea, not mine. Well, listen to her, Miss Goody Two-Shoes. It wasn't her fault, it was all my idea. Well, whose idea was it to have a romantic setting down by the water? I'd have settled for an empty boxcar. Oh, no, never again. Not another boxcar. Yeah, well, she takes after her mother. They're both bananas. You leave my mother out of this! She's crazy. All right, enough it. of this now. Both of you, get out of here. Okay, officer, okay. Anything you say. Come on, sweetie. So you wanted somewhere romantic, yeah. like a, a crime scene at the dock. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like an abandoned boat. So um, <laughs> so they find a note from the dad. Is that what it is? Yeah, Peter reading. finds the note, doesn't he? Yeah, and it says, due to my morbid curiosity, I've contracted some sort of disease. Yeah. I've managed to contract a strange disease. A strange disease. On my tool. On my tool. Well, yeah, that's implied, isn't it, I suppose? <laughs> <laughs> and then they decide that they're going to head out to Matul and Dr. Maynard is there um, in his sick bay that, um, who was it who said that it was? Was it you? Not Brexit. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, ben said it, I think. Okay. said that it, it looks like what the NHS will be after Brexit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there was a boat in the middle of the hospital. There was a boat in the hospital. How does he even get there? Um, so he's on a CB radio trying to get someone to come out to help him, isn't he? So um, And his wife, who's played by... <laughs> Olga Carlatos, who we all realised had beautiful eyes. Mm-hmm. There's a bit of, bit of irony to her beautiful eyes, I think, considering what happens to her. Um, she's, like, in a right state, isn't she? She's got a good shower as well. She's got a good shower, lots of mirrors. So you can see every inch of her every body. Every inch from every inch. All at the same time. Yeah. Which you said, didn't you, that you would like a shower? Like I would. Um, the man who falls in love with his reflection, the Greek mythology, that um, would be me. Narcissus. Yes. Me and Narcissus go way back. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't. You and you go yeah, right. <laughs> You're two narcissistic to get on with narcissists. <laughs> so she's all worked up. Mrs. Maynard's like, we need to get out of here and blah blah blah. And she's uh, she screams on that he's no better than one of his witch doctors. She's sort of saying you're experimenting on people. Mm. They're all the you know your guinea pigs. So we know that he is up to something. There's a bit of a. Do we have, we've never really find out what? <laughs> they sort of hint at it that there's like a mad doctor element to the story, yeah, but we but don't really. Doesn't, and it doesn't really go anywhere. Yeah, she's like doing this whole spiel of like, I'm not crazy. Everyone's gonna know that you're the crazy one while acting extremely crazy. Yeah. Like, I just didn't... I think he just gives a slap, doesn't he? It's <laughs> like, what the fuck? Yeah. Puts it in another place. <laughs> yeah. Well, so she says, doesn't she, uh, you won't be happy till I meet one of your zombies. So she says the yeah. word zombie. Which I did, I was quite shocked that Breaks he said the it. See, that's what, I, that's, I, I, just, I, for me, it's like an unwritten rule that, you know, you don't... You just, just don't go the walking dead way and, like, say... The walkers. The, sh- the walkers, the, the shufflers, the, the mumblers, or whatever. The gobblers, or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Gobblers on my tool do sound like Gobblers on my tool. Yes. Funnily enough as well, there was a part of the slew of uh, zombie films that came out around this time, there were two porn versions as well. Erotic Nights of the Living Dead and Porno Holocaust. So why didn't anyone... If I was around there, I could have made money off that film. You could, you could. You still could. Yeah, let's do it. You just resurrect it, so yeah. to speak. Um, so, yeah, so we get the impression here that there's meddling, there's sort of scientific meddling and, and voodoo that's sort of come together, hasn't it, really? Yeah. And now we're seeing the fallout of it. Um, Although, <laughs> I was going to say, um, for, as, for as dramatic and as off-the-wall the... 
his wife is. His gardener seems pretty calm. The gardener, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the gardener. He's just getting over his job, isn't he? Yeah. He's death or something. <laughs> <laughs> I just didn't I know go, what was going on. I go on. in the hospital where you keep an eye on my wife and don't let anybody approach the house. <laughs> this fuck off house and he's one gardener. <laughs> Yeah, you didn't see him like get dispatched when they, no. they obviously show up and anything. So did the gardener just get off with this? I'm going now. He just yeah, he went home for the night. He came back the next day and went to Carried on, carried on with the cuties. Isn't he sitting there with his dog when the, when the zombies start to shuffle towards the house and they just leave? They're just like, mm. whatever. Um, so, so Peter and Anne hook up with Brian and Susan and head off on the boat. Brian, so he's played by Al Cleaver and he is sort of tall, strawberry blonde, gingery, handsome guy who looks a little bit like a hipster of today, really. Um, And he drew a mixture of lascivious comments from the mainly homosexual living room, but also some concern for his pasty white skin in the Caribbean Mm -hmm. sun. We were all a little bit worried about sunburn. He's about the same colour as your T-shirts. (laughs) <laughs> yes, yes. He is a couple of scenes. Yeah, yeah, he is. Susan decides to go for a naked scuba dive. With well, a no, not totally naked. She has a tiny, 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 tiny piece of string. string. Tiny, tiny piece of string. string. And when she hooks her, her like diving gear and she straps it up through her crotch, yeah. there's a collective. Do yourself an injury. Yeah, yeah. It was like it, it was inside. It wasn't it. Literal chafing. On oh my gosh. You can see a jerk chicken. Um, and then, so she dives in and she's like having an underwater swim with the boobs out and you can see everything. And then suddenly there's stock footage of a shark. So the story behind this was, um, so the writer of the film knew a guy who had been sh- who was like shooting I think in Mexico or somewhere and he was shooting underwater scenes. Uh, it's like a stock shark wrangle, wasn't it? Yeah, so the guy had too much stock footage. He had 20 minutes left over and he said to him, can you do anything with this? <laughs> so, you know, like any good writer, he was like, zombie shark attack. <laughs> um, so that's where it came from. So the stock footage mixed in with the stuff with the shark and the zombie, which is obviously two separate things. I was hoping the zombie wasn't in the stock footage. That'd be confusing. So that was just stock footage of the, the shark when it's on approaching. Yeah. Okay, okay. But then he filmed something with a zombie and... Was it a doll of a shark? What was it? Looked it looked real. No, because there's a famous there's a famous story. The apparently Fulty tells the the shark wrangler that day got sick, so they just paid the extra a few extra dollars and said, "Oh yeah, just just pay, <laughs> just go with the shark. It's a trained shark. It's fine." But apparently that's all bullshit. This is just this is another one of Fulty's stories that he tells people to you know make the film more interesting. Like a mythology, yeah, yeah, mythology. creates his own mythology. It's like the ending of City Living Dead. Yeah, you know the story about that. And I know it's confusing because you, it doesn't make any sense. The, supposedly, the and the story the faulty was telling people was that when the film was being edited, someone spilled coffee on the ending, am, yeah. and the ending was destroyed. So they just left it like that. But yeah. apparently, that's bullshit as well. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's, it, he just likes to make his own mythology. Yeah. <laughs> so Fair play to him. That's good. The end of City of the Living Dead, which we will we'll watch as part of the podcast, is. Um, the characters all seem to be like it's happily ever after they're all walking away and hmm. the evil's defeated and they all turn to camera and they'll start screaming and then they're in. yeah you don't know what to scream <laughs> they're all like, <gasps> like horrified it's something like coming yeah. to them or whatever but you know what it is because supposedly the last scene was like the kids turned into a zombie or the kids turned into a monster but and then the other story is that the, the engine was destroyed by someone with some hot coffee they probably just ran out of money and time to do it so she goes diving underwater and um, shark, oh my God, shark's going to get her. Oh no, shark's not going to get her. Zombie is underwater too. 
It's so weird to like to basically grab some coral and scratches the zombie's face. Yeah, it's like it just, just like would, rubs it in his yeah, face. Though yeah. you wouldn't. Uh, that wouldn't be my first thought to be yeah. honest. To grab some coral. Well, my first thought when I see a shark wouldn't be I'm going to dive back down. Yeah. Why does she not swim towards the boat to get away from the shark? Yeah, or get on the boat. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not really sure. There's some shots of the shark. It's very fast. It looks very placid, and I'm sure there's one shot of a shark where it actually looks like it has no teeth. <laughs> mm. That's probably the case if they put on. If it was a trained shark. Divers in Maybe. There, yeah. A gummy shark. They were just like. That's a bit sad. It is. Sorry. Gummy shark. I don't understand. You don't know the song? You don't know the baby shark song. Where have you been living? I've been living in an adult world. <laughs> James. No. No. It's not all it's cracked up James. to be. Um, so, Grace, so infamous scene where there's a zombie and a shark have a face off. I think that the zombie seems to win, and I just don't understand that. No, like, well, he's winning. A, he loses an arm, and then the shark falls off. Yeah, but he gets a good bite of him. Yeah. He does, yeah, but then the shark sort of wins. I think the zombie would have just, like, ate his head in the wrong way, and not have been a... But, because the shark was bitten by the zombie, we're going to get a zombie shark quite soon. Why hasn't that happened? I think so. Yeah, go There is a film called Zombie Shark, but it's like, I think it's like The Asylum or something. So it's uh, okay. probably, probably terrible. I think I've seen it, in fact. I have just filed seen, away with I, one of those I, I, random I've, shark films. I've seen a lot of bad shark films. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, zombies are starting to advance on the island, and that night, after the shark attack, that night, Mrs. Maynard is home alone again in the shower because she's on her own because Dr. Maynard is too busy in his sick bed, sick bay of pestilence and flies. She can't leave the island. She can't even leave. She wants, to. she wants to go. I don't want to stay on this island one more hour. You won't be happy until I meet one of your zombies. Now look. As soon as I've understood the phenomenon, we'll leave. I don't believe you. I don't believe you. I don't believe anything you say anymore. Poor Mrs. Maynard. So she's having a naked writhe in the shower. She's all glistening and wet. It's all sexy. And then um, bony fingers at the window. Mm. And she hears strange noises. I love the dubbed on sound of her feet slapping on the floor. Does anyone else <laughs> really loud? Like she had clown feet. Uh, <laughs> and then um, she's freaked out, so locks herself in the bedroom. But as she's locking herself in the bedroom, zombie fingers start to creep in through the door. Oh, and she's, like, she's trying to jam the door. Yeah, jam his fingers. The way like, the skin crumples when she's yeah. pushing it back is just yeah. disgusting. Yeah. Uh, and then it's one of those doors isn't it with slats of wood and the next thing the zombie sort of breaks through the wood grabs it by the hair and then I think if not the shark scene then this is probably the most infamous scene of the yeah, film isn't yeah. it uh, this is I've seen this scene even though I've never seen this one before I'd seen this scene countdown countdown of like the most on countdown on countdown on countdown it was a remake with Richard Whiteley <laughs> <laughs> he would be a zombie now though wouldn't he <laughs> That's a cattle board, wouldn't they? Could scoop the time. Probably in many a teenage boy has imagined that. That's true. That's true. Um, and poor Mrs. Maynard, anyway, her eye is gouged out in a very, very visceral scene that made us all go, Ugh! I think it's when the very first goes in, it does like a little yeah. pop and a bit like, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah, and it's like a, like a rubbery 
Yeah, like yeah. rubbery really foggy bit of the eye. I wouldn't say it's like gouged out. It's more like stabbed, stabbed through. Yeah, like the eye is still there. It's, it's just, just got a big piece of wood sticking up. Oh, it's a big splinter in it. If, as far as eye horror goes, it's one of the better ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I can't. There's audition. Audition's quite good, and then this for things. Oh, the eye! Way. The way she puts the pins in his eyes. Yeah, yeah. but think yeah. it as well. In I do think this is where Snowy Oh, the, the, um, the, the blade. The blade, oh. yeah. The eye. That one's pretty damn He does good eye yeah. gouging. Yeah. Lucio Fulci does a good yeah. one in the Beyond as well. Two of the, two mm. of the good ones are Fulci, aren't they? Yeah. The Beyond is a really good one. I've got an itchy eye. Oh, do you want me to wipe it for you, Martin? Yeah. Um, so she's gone. So she. So we assume she's gone. We cut away from her then, don't we? So we're like, mm-hmm. oh, I don't really know what's happened to There's her. There's a lot of very abrupt hard cuts in this film where, where like, the music just, just stops yeah, something's, mm-hmm. about, something's just about to happen no yeah. hard cut <laughs> something else <laughs> don't even wind down the music just boom hard I cut. love that you're the voice of the editing no <laughs> <laughs> oh dear so the next morning uh, our plucky heroes turn up on the boat and they turn up to the island and they're being watched from the trees by something that is breathing really heavily even though they don't breathe um, and Brian and Susan have gone for a swim and I at this point was really concerned at the redness of Brian's shoulders mm. well somebody commented that it looked like he was wearing a t-shirt <laughs> yeah it was it's a worry really we, because the shark attacked the boat didn't they That's the, why boat was now broke. the boat is damaged so they just floated to the island they floated then. to the island yeah and they were inspecting to see the damage on the boat. That's why they was swimming. Oh, yeah, of course. Because they, they got rammed by the shark. So they didn't just go for a swim? No, no, they were checking the boat to see how damaged uh, it was. I was, see, I was distracted by his redness. Yeah, no, because the, the shark rammed the boat. Um, and they've just drifted to the island. Because that's where they get the flare going out. Of course. The shark shooting flares off. So how did they get away in that boat at the end? So it's a different boat. I think it's the same boat. I think you're just not supposed to think about it. Right. Oh, yeah. Because he says... <laughs> it's the same boat. Because <laughs> doesn't Brian say the drive shaft is about to fail any minute or something like oh, that? Oh, yeah, just, so you can get away, but you won't... Because yeah. you say we could probably try to go to another island. Yeah, but you've got to go slow. All I heard was shaft. shaft. I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> yeah, driving shaft. You know. Shaft. <laughs> shaft. Um, Andy, there's a lot of jokes. And there's a lot of puns <laughs> in this film. Ginger shaft. Um, I do love a ginger shot. Me too, me too. <laughs> Slapped on your forehead. Um, so, um, my favourite shot in the film is just after this, and it's um, it's the, the shot of the street with the. Uh, so, you've got the zombie walking down, shuffling down the street in the distance. You've got a donkey just standing there randomly, <laughs> and a crab. Good crab acting. The crab is the best crab acting I think I've seen in a film. It reminds me of that um, YouTube video, you know, with the. The crab just like does the, the death signal. The crab with the knife. I've seen that one. The crab with the knife. Totally ruined my scene. Totally ruined my scene. I found that skin scene really scary, and now I'm just thinking about the YouTube crab. But that's um, pretty scary. A crab with a knife. Yeah. <laughs> you know what this film needs? It's the crab should have had a knife. But anyway, that's one of my favourite scenes. I think that's my favourite shot in the film. Um, it reminds me a little bit of the opening scene of Day of the Dead as well. Mm. There's a scene in that. You were saying as well, it's like it's not a, it's not that image. You know, people think of the Caribbean and nice. Yeah. It's just it's just so incongruous the yeah. scene. I was re- I, I, I was watching um, It Follows last year with the commentary on and they were, there was some film scholar talking about that and they were talking about how a lot of the scenes that are so effective because they, the, the way they make them up 
they put things in it that don't make sense mm. but you don't realise at first uh, so it's like you're looking at something where, where something is just something not right like so there's an anxiety Does building the, up um, one, the one I remembered was the phone. The kid's got a phone, but it looks like a makeup compact. And it's like, is this yeah. like a futuristic phone? Yeah. What the fuck mm. is going on? And it's just little things like that where it just messes with your head. Well, the very opening scene, yeah, yeah. the very opening scene of it follows is where a girl comes running out of her house scared and she's dressed in her underwear, but with stilettos on. Mm. And there's there's adults in the scene getting stuff out the back of the car or something. Yeah. And nobody notices when she's running, screaming for help. And there's just all these different little things. I can where... see what's unusual about being in your underwear and stuff. <laughs> I'm like that every night. <laughs> Actually, yeah, I'm pitching to the wrong crowd, you know. <laughs> but it's things like that. So, so for me, this this image is like you've got a zombie, sunshine, crab, goats, crab, donkey, yeah. um, mist, and palm trees, and none of it goes. It's like it's really weird. So I, I really like the makeup of that. And then throughout the rest of the film, you see like really misty scenes on the Caribbean mm. islands, and it's like. But it doesn't take you out of the film. It just adds to the creepy. Yeah. And yeah. There's wind, but the, tra- the trees don't swing. Yeah. It's weird. But we only know where we are anyway because the music changed. We discussed this. So but there's a specific instrument. What was it? Um, the xylophone. The xylophone starts when we move to the Caribbean islands. And then when we get to the real spooky islands, then the bongo drums come in. Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, gonna... we'd be lost. We'd still be in New York. What would you have done if, you know, when the crab scuttled across the front? He said, under the sea. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So, <laughs> um, so then um, they meet Dr. Maynard and he's yeah. trying to sort of get rid of them for away from his, his, um, his, experiments. his experiments of pestilence and flies. And he says, go and check on my missus. She's like seven or eight miles down the road. Yeah. So they do. And when they get there, they find Mrs. Maynard is being eaten by a bunch of zombies who we sort of noticed were all being very polite though I did yeah mm. it's like a, a hotel buffet yeah <laughs> they were all a bit tentative it was like they didn't have eyes bigger than the belly no no how do you they just at the garden and his dog so you know I've got to save a bit of room oh, okay. that, that dog's going off we've got to um... yeah they hang around for a long time watching her getting eaten yeah. did you read that's like did they stand and look Everybody and watch. In this entire film, every time there's a zombie that's about to bite somebody, they just kind of stand and stare at it and scream, but they don't move. Unless they're a man and then they shoot. Oh, yeah, of course. It's mainly the women who just stand there and scream. And expose their necks. And yes, <laughs> Yeah, bite there. Um, so they make a run for it, and then as they're driving down, a zombie bounces out from the <laughs> hopping zombie jump, bounces yeah. the road, like a kangaroo. And then um, they run him <laughs> over, and then they swerve into the woods, crash the car, and end up having to walk back to the hospital. And they get really wound up by the drums. This is it. It's never really explained what's going on, is it? And, and you didn't see any like, kind there's of lots, There's lots of sound effects of people like chanting and banging drums, but you, didn't, you, you never no, see them. you never see anyone. Yeah, yeah. Of course he's uncivilised. See, that's people the thing. trying to corrupt us and gain power over us. It's weird because I couldn't tell whether that was incidental music for us, for the viewer, or was that Until music... She, or was the music supposed to... Or was that supposed it, to be when there? When she referenced yeah, like, it, that's yeah. when I realised yeah. that it was, was like, meant oh, to be there. Oh, it's supposed to be there, yeah. It's yeah. like that scene in the, there's a Liz Taylor movie called Boom, which is known as one of the worst films ever made, and there's like a whole orchestral score going on as she's walking through her house, and then she stops and presses a button on the wall and it stops. Yeah, yeah, I've heard of that. <laughs> um... But yeah, so that's quite special. And then um, 
so they end up having because Peter hurt his ankle during mm. the crash somehow, and they end up at a conquistador's grave site. As you do. Yeah. They find a helmet. Yeah, they find a Spanish helmet. They find a Spanish helmet. Like near the surface of the ground, considering it's been buried for 400 years. <laughs> I think that was placed on the grave. Oh, no. Oh, really? No, they got it the mud. No, it was covered in mud, wasn't it? I assumed it was there because a zombie had been wearing it and, and got up. Gone. Oh, maybe. Um, but I was very confused by this entire section because I was... Like, it was revealed very dramatically. It's Conquistador's graveyard, and I was just like, but what have I got to do with anything? I think that's confirming that it's not science gone wrong, is it? It's definitely because, you know, he's not... It's not a case of these people are infected by something and then they turn into zombies. This is just dead bodies that have been there for 400 years yeah. and come back to life. So you know then that it's obviously some sort of magic. And, and I think it's meant, the implication is meant to be the drums and the chanting is them. the islanders bringing the dead back. To line. Okay, so this is it. It's Jack. That's definitely in voodoo. This is not how zombies work. This is a westernized zombie. Just so everyone knows, um, Stephen is actually an ordained voodoo priestess. <laughs> <laughs> so please tell us. No, I just I've watched enough documentaries on stupid like sci-fi channels. So not sci-fi, but like history channels. History channels, and that to know that a voodoo in like voodoo zombie is someone hypnotizing someone to do stuff. And not necessarily someone who's coming back from the dead, at least not in a I'm gonna bite you and turn you into a zombie kind of way. This mm. is a very westernized version. Isn't, isn't well, I'm sure I've seen one and it's like, like, like boring, mundane thing to get them to like work Where, for them. Yeah, to get them to work them for like them on a the farm and stuff. Yeah. And get and them to, that's yeah, what their pick version the, of a zombie the crops is. And stuff. It's just a corruption of slavery, isn't yeah. it? Because the ideal thing would be to have a slave who's very, very compliant and mm. he could. You could just destroy their brain mm. and keep them alive forever. You right, never Jeffrey have to Jarman. feed them and and yeah. just work for you. That's what it is. If Kate Hudson told us it all in Skeleton Key, didn't she? We should have listened to Kate that Hudson. Hoodoo. Oh God! Oh, oh shit! You've pissed him off now. He'll put a curse. One's on a religion. Yeah. One is magic. He'll put <gasps> a curse on your tool. Oh no. Need to get some brick toast. <laughs> 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 oh dear. It all kicks off in the graveyard, doesn't it? Because everyone, so the, basically the zombies start to wake up whilst mm. they're there. Um, Peter and um, Anna attack. P- Peter and Anna attack first, but they get away. Well, they stop for a rest first, don't they? they go, oh, we're going to rest here. We're going to lay down Brian on the ground. Say, yeah. okay, we'll carry on, and then walk five feet. And then <laughs> stop. Literally threw a bunch of I've got a feeling that this is one of the moments where Lucio Fulci did one of his more um, one of his more legendary acts of bullying. So Lucio Fulci's got this um, got this uh, this reputation for being an absolute bastard on set, especially with women. Um, and from what I've gleaned from interviews with his with his leading female female actors is that if he respects if he finds something in you that he respects, then he will test you. But that's it. But if he gets like a weak link in the cast, he uses them as his whipping boy. And um, Oriata Gay, who plays <laughs> Susan, was his whipping girl for this film because she wasn't an actress; she was like a model. Um, she's better than Tisa Farrow. Mm-hmm. She is. She's tons better than Tisa Farrow. This is. Kelly, Kelly, mm. tits. and um, she. So uh, he wasn't happy with the way that she was acting. So apparently, this is, comes from Ian McCulloch, who plays Peter. He started screaming at her 
and lost his shit so much that he went into convulsions <laughs> on the floor, frothing at the mouth, ripping bits of the earth up <gasps> and stuffing them in his own mouth and saying, this is how you make me feel! <laughs> oh, oh my God! <laughs> oh my God! Oh, yeah, so I've got but a she's feeling. She's a much better actor. <laughs> she's much better than Tisa Farrow is. So she's yeah, wow. somewhere complaints. Complete respect for me. Yeah. <laughs> if anyone's not happy with me, <laughs> I don't do this. <laughs> maybe maybe, oh, maybe I should. Maybe you should. Maybe I should. I'm gonna rip up the carpet and stuff it. In <laughs> this is how you make me feel. <laughs> <laughs> So I think it's around this scene because there's lots of earth, isn't there? Yeah. And after this, she was dead. So, uh, oh, spoiler, so she dies. <laughs> she gets, um, so this, is, as well, this is like the most horrible moment, I think, yeah, when he rips the, the throat out. The, yeah, good. And the sound effect of the, of the blood gushing out and she gargles on it as well. Yeah, and there's like a stringy bit of her skin yeah. and all. Oh, it's just like, yeah. She dies. Brian doesn't seem that bothered, I've got to say. He just walks off to us. He's like, yeah. We well, can't he, leave her. Yeah. Oh, okay, that's leave her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but even when he was saying we can't leave her, I just didn't believe it either. No. Yeah. Just wasn't convincing. Yeah, definitely. Um, so the conquistadors start to wake up, they start to rise. So, um, does anybody else actually find this film to be creepy? I think the effects are creepy. The effects are creepy, the creatures are creepy, but the film, I don't actually find the film itself creepy. Yeah, yeah it's more fun, I think. It's, yeah. it's a fun film. I find moments of it to yeah. be, I think the, to be yeah. creepy. The worms, the zombie with the worms in his eye, that's quite creepy. That's our Madonna connection, isn't it? So the worms in the No, the zombie, the zombie with the with the worms in his eye, who's used as the poster boy, his inflated cheeks look like Madonna's inflated cheeks. Oh, okay. so we've got a Madonna connection tonight. She's four hundred years old. She's got worms in her eye. Yeah, and she will rip your throat out. She's a resurrected conquistador. Some of the visuals are creepy and. Like I love how the zombies look, like, and they all look a bit individual and a bit different. But they all look, kind of look like they've just got cornflakes stuck to the face. <laughs> Sometimes they do. Yeah. Yeah. cornflakes. Yeah. But then there's like the people who are sick in the hostel who like vomited oh. like green stuff all over the face. Yeah, they that's, look. That's creepy. That's horrible, yeah. isn't it? I think what I find creepy is, um, when you see this stuff in daylight. I think mm. it just doesn't quite go, but it works at the same time. Yeah. So I find that creepy. And then the bit, so the bit after this where they, where they stalk them back to the hospital and you can see them coming in the mist in the night, I find that quite creepy as well. I think I find this creepier than I find like Night of the Living Dead mm. and Dawn of the Dead. I think because with those films you do sort of get hung up on the overall message of it all as well, don't you? Whereas yeah, this I hasn't think, got a message. Hmm. If something's obviously satire, it's kind of not really going to be that creepy is it? because yeah. you know it's, it's there's a message, you're supposed yeah. to get in the message. So we get to the finale um, siege in the sick bay. We've missed the flashback. Oh yeah, the flashback's good. I like that. The flashback is good. I like the fact that you know the flashback's coming because he goes, "I was once with your father," and then it zooms in on him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a flashback. <laughs> it just needed that wavy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was all that was missing. Yeah. So before the synthy opening music and stuff, we did get a little shot of me, literally of Doctor um, Maynard shooting 
someone who was wrapped up in a, like a, a sheet, shroud or a shroud. So now we get the explanation of who it was, don't we? Yeah. And who was it? It's um, Tengi's mum. Tengi's mum. Tengi's dad. Oh, so it's Anne's and dad. Anne's dad. It's Mr. Bowles. Mr. Bowles. So the dad that she came to find. I think this might be my favourite line in the film. I feel like I'm about to die. Because everyone knows just, oh, I might die. I better say this now because yeah. I'm about to die in the next two minutes. Yeah. Conveniently, just after I've finished my important sentence. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've got to dictate the speech for you to write down for my daughter and then I'll die. Oh, Whereas Dr. Baynard's already loading the gun. Yeah. He's <laughs> <just> like, what's <laughs> that? <laughs> he shoot He's people. not even writing it down. <laughs> yeah. All he does is shoot people. And there's a bit in this film where he says to one of the locals, doesn't he? I don't believe that it's the dead coming back to life. And we've seen four times we've seen him watch a, a corpse come back to life so he yeah. can shoot them in the head. He doesn't believe that voodoo brought people back from the dead. But what he actually believes is that it was science because he studied bacteria and viruses. Oh, yes. bacteria, bacteria. Yeah. That was his differentiality <laughs> and even radiology. Radiology. Because he says, another one of my favourite lands, he's created a wasteland of terror. Oh, I yeah. love that. And it's that like, I'm not, I'm not being dramatic, but I've created a wasteland <laughs> of terror. <laughs> on my tool. <laughs> you don't want my tool to be a wasteland. That's a curse. Maybe some terror. <laughs> I just don't get why he thinks he's responsible and why other people think he's responsible. If... If it wasn't him who was doing it, he didn't seem to be doing any kind of experiments or he does, anything. He's just helping the people who are dying and then killing them before they turn into Well, he sort of took his own, he took his own blood sample and, and, looked, and at looked at that. But, but we didn't see it. Yeah, that's kind of science, I suppose. We didn't. Just, just science. The yeah. nurse was Here's very good at um, tying up people, though. I think she yeah. has a second job somewhere else. This <laughs> dude yeah. looks like Doctor. I think it's like Doctor Triage or Triage. I was Doctor Triage. She's in the um, tank. <laughs> I don't think, yeah. think Doctor Triage is a bit on the nose. <laughs> <Doctor> <laughs> what does, what's the film that we saw with the hospitals called Doctor's Hospital? <laughs> <laughs> That was um, that sounds like a character from Adventure Time, doesn't it? Yeah, Doctor Triage. Doctor Triage. <laughs> <laughs> um, the scene at the beginning of this at the morgue as well, with it shows the morgue and then it zooms in on the morgue and it just feels like he didn't have permission to yeah. like shoot. I'm just on the corner. Yeah, that's so weird when he's like telling off the coroner. He's like, "You should clean your, t- you should clean your equipment. Clean your woods, puppy." Fauci definitely doesn't like black people. It's like the is black. And it's made out to be incompetent and thick. And he's just like there, like complete dirty, dirty equipment. And he says, "Have a look at this wound." And he just shakes his head like he's like completely empty-headed. Because he didn't realize that somebody bit someone in the neck. Every black person who speaks is either incompetent, thick, or. Superstitious and sinister. It's true. Quite funny when you think of what the film it came from, though, to be honest. Yeah. It is a complete anti racism. Mm. Yeah, that's my And then it goes to this. We get get the great great kill as well with the crucifix. Chopping the top of a tether. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it's good. I like the imagery of it as well, the crucifix and the smashes it I spend most of this scene just thinking how useless Tisa Farrow is. No, she hands those Molotovs quite good. Mm. Yeah. And she's presumably making them really fast because it's like two every five seconds. Yeah. Like it's and two. It's only two. She all she does is carry two. <laughs> she, doesn't, like, she doesn't try and like carry four or three. Like probably, you know, if you go to the bar, 
You don't get two glasses <laughs> and bring back two glasses to the table. You try and carry four or three at the same time. She's got an emergency. Yeah, you just try. Hello. Sorry. What do you think was the statement, the crucifix? Yeah, like, you know, the Catholicism beating up the voodoo religion. But it was the, it was the conquistadors that brought Catholicism with them. So it's their own religion. Yeah, but it was attacking the zombie creation of, like, the black people on the island. Mm. But it, but it was attacking them with Christianity. Possibly, but... Um, but it was, a, it was a zombie of a conquistador, wasn't it? Because it's in the conquistador graveyard. It's by the black people. What? Gosh. I yes. think there was a statement. Well, Fulci was a... Was raised Catholic. Didn't really like Catholics. As most famous Catholics go that way mm. Madonna connection again um, and he, he like he's in a few of his films Don't Torture a Duckling is a is a real pop at the church yeah. and City of the Living Dead the, the gates of hell are opened by a priest hanging himself oh, yeah. <laughs> so he's not a fa- I don't think he's a big fan of religion so everyone dies except for Peter and mm. um, Brian is still alive yeah. and then he meets zombie zombie Susan yeah in the outside and she takes a big chunk out of him doesn't she so we were sort of arguing then we were watching it going why hasn't he why hasn't they know he's been bitten they know he's infected why won't they kill him but I you know Martin I thought you were being a bit harsh there because I thought he's literally just been bitten they can't just kill him the friends no but I'm sorry you know at this point you're bitten you're dead so if there was a zombie apocalypse and that just been bitten you would be that yeah. quick to bye <laughs> Don't even speak yet. Like, <laughs> oh, she's cutthroat. Yeah. Well, Baseball in the head or... Smash your head in that fruit ball. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going. Well, that is good to remember. <laughs> See, well, you don't know because he's a zombie. He'll just be like converting to and like, trying to bite me. I'll be like, yeah, oh, Barton's been bitten. <laughs> <laughs> I think it doesn't... I think the fact that it never really probably explains anything probably added to our confusion. Because yeah. it wasn't necessarily a fact of if you're bitten your turn which it did end up being that anyway mm. but then it's also like the drums bring someone who's been dead for 400 years back as well yeah. so it, it, it's not really or clear or you just die of something else yeah, yeah. or if you die because of the infection but it doesn't really yeah. yeah. my point is don't take any chances see in a zombie apocalypse beast's head in get on a boat and get him I know I won't survive very long I'm not exactly the fittest person so I would just like to get bit early on and then bite as many other people as possible while I'm a zombie. Yeah. At least to take some people down with me. Who would like be the first person to bite? Terry. Oh. Martin, not Terry, so you could spend no, together forever. No. Yeah, you was planning on sucking my young blood the other day, so I'm <laughs> going to get my revenge out. That's very true. This is what we've what got it in right now, Martin. We keep receipts. I'm going to suck your blood. I'm going to get some of your blood. So I could bathe so so in it. <laughs> okay. Which is no near as weird. Yeah, I wasn't going to drink. I was just going to bathe in it. That's totally normal. <laughs> so the last shot of the whole film is the zombies shuffling across the Brooklyn Bridge. That's a dead famous shot, isn't it? It's a great shot. Yeah, yeah. Um, so this film for me, I would say it's a essential zombie film. I know Dawn of the Dead is seen as the essential zombie film. Mm. What I like about this film is it gets in and gets out really quickly. Mm. It doesn't faff about. It's a very simple horror film with very gothic feel to it in parts. It's very camp. And yeah. the gore is amazing. Yeah, it is very good. No nonsense. No nonsense. Yeah. It's what you want sometimes, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. How would you compare it to other zombie films you've seen, Martin? 
Um, do you know what I'm trying to think? What I've seen that many. Um, I think it's probably one of the best zombie mm. films I've seen. Yeah. Yeah, as much as I don't think there's any real plot or any <laughs> real nice characters that I'm particularly interested in, it's also one of the best zombie films I've ever seen. I can't think of many that come close. I can't I think, think of many that I've watched. I'm zombies, not my thing. Mm. 28 Days Later, I've seen lots and lots of times because it's been on the telly. Lots it's always of times. on, yeah. Always on. To the point that it irritates me mm. now. Yeah. And I, but I can't see if I was watching this film over and over again that it would start to irritate me in the same way. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Just it's just a, it's just beyond that. I think because it isn't where because it isn't trying to be worthy. Yeah. Or be or actually trying to hook you into the characters in any emotional mm. way, really. Yeah. It, it it happily just lets you coast along. And there's it? a lot of the, like the major tropes that have come along with zombie films, like the military trying to set up a base, but then losing control and everything like that. Mm. All the like, basics that are in every zombie film <coughs> ever aren't here, so yeah, it still feels relatively I fresh. Think that's your point, isn't it? It's going back to it's going back to like what the zombie film used yeah. to be, like the the voodoo basis for it all, mm. and not so much the other. I think it's like with a lot of horror films, isn't it? Um, a very simple idea works and scares you. Mm. And then, but then the more you try to milk it, the more you have to create something around it. Mm. Yeah. The Halloween, like the Halloween sequels, the more they have to be like, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a sister. And, you know, people overcomplicate it because just doing the same thing over and over again won't work. But you can't catch lightning twice lightning doesn't strike twice yeah yeah you know so it's like they do have to sort of dilute it and Mm. add add their own shit onto it as well yeah if you add things in like oh the reason why the zombie apocalypse happened was because a monkey bit someone or something then it just kind of you you just you're adding something that's information but did it add anything to the story no we don't need to actually know why the zombies came back they just came back and that's cool you know, they look cool in it. I think cool. there's any message to this film, it's that humanity is doomed. Yeah. Because there's no attempt, like in you know, The Walking Dead or mm. 28 Days Later or 28 Weeks Later or any of that, where they try to sort of give some semblance of hope and people trying to mm. rebuild society or maintain society. It just ends with. New York being overrun with zombies yeah. and you know, a away. newscaster gets attacked live on air and dies live on air. There just isn't any hope and they're trapped. They're mm. just completely trapped and where will it, where will it end? It can't end anywhere no. except disaster. No, it's very true. That's cheery. It is <laughs> cheery. It is cheery. We're all doomed. <laughs> um, so I went to Twitter to ask about what people thought of Fulci and this film. So Cinema Europa said it's my favourite zombie movie, which for me succeeds and differentiates itself because it almost plays like an action adventure movie put through an exploitative blender <laughs> with amazing oh and amazing FX. Emmy Costa says, I love Fulci, one of my favourites is House by the Cemetery, which Ooh, is another one we'll do eventually. Matthew Penny says, One of those rare films I love more and more with each watch, just such a good time. Amanda Reyes, um so um, I was in LA for a month, as we know, and I met Amanda Reyes while I was there. And mm. she's the woman who does the Made for TV Mayhem podcast. So she's like an aficionado on TV movies and TV horror. Mm-hmm. And she did a two-hour talk on horror horror films that were made for TV in the seventies and eighties, 
which was absolutely brilliant. And then I got to, we went for dinner one night and sat and talked about horror and soaps for three hours non-stop. Wow. Completely unadulterated. It was just heaven. She's just a wonderful woman. Love you, Amanda. So Amanda Ray says, what I love about Fulci is that he always puts in one really moving, he always puts in one really moving scene in every film. I'm not sure what moved you in Zombie Flesh Eaters though, Amanda, so please let us know what that was. Maybe it was the point where she was putting on the, she was strapping on the scuba diving. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She, was moved, <laughs> she was moved by the, the potential pain and injury of the gentleman. That's very possible. That's very possible. So she says she loves that and she says probably too long for the tweet, but it's something he does that fascinates me. Also, The Black Cat isn't another film, is it? The Black Cat is ridiculously underrated and not just because David Warbeck in a turtleneck has sex on a stick. Andy Roberts from Nasty Pasty Podcast says, I love how completely polar opposites clash so wonderfully in his films, such as ridiculous dialogue from genuinely enigmatic characters, a palpable thick atmosphere despite being low budget, and incredibly disturbing gore despite a thick layer of camp. Fulci is just awesome. Zombie Flesh Eaters is utterly genius. Unlike the clinical socio-political ghouls of Romero's film, Fulci zombies are reborn in heat and rot with a visible sweat and Caribbean warmth to the sight of them. They look so earthy and foul, it's hard not to feel uncomfortable. I love it. Earthy. That's a good word. It's yeah, a nice description of it. It's a nice, isn't it? Because yeah. you do think... Uh, I was thinking of the sick bite. I was thinking they must stink. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the, the rotten dead walking in that heat. Barva Lamp <laughs> says, because um, I said, what makes Lucio Fulci iconic? And he says, plenty, and not just gore. His surrealism, his knowledge of and riffing of classic cinema, his ha- apostasy? Apostasy. Apostasy. Yeah. It's, like, it's a bit like... It's, it's a bit like heresy in a way. You know, it's like when you don't follow the crowd. You lose your faith. Apostasy. Mm. There we go. His apostasy... His willingness to take on the church in the state, in time he'll be redeemed and spoken about in the same breath as Petri and Pasolini. He'll get you the death penalty in some places. Apostasy. Apostasy, mm-hmm. yeah. And Zondo from Beyond says, Love Fulci, equal parts director and magician, puts the art in artifice, great theatrics and atmosphere. Hot Dog Cinema says, A director has never captured actual dread like Fulci. The Beyond's finale captures this in an utterly unique way in cinema. Oh, yeah. I love the end of the Beyond. Um, Barvel Amper also says that he referred to himself as a genre terrorist. <laughs> <laughs> UK, Hor- UK Horror Scene says the guy was an absolute genius. He did what he wanted. He created masterpieces alongside quite a few donkeys. <laughs> Amazing vision, and as says on here, some wonderful scores. A unique vision in a sea of mediocrity. I wouldn't. I would never call any of his films boring. I'll say that much. No. <laughs> Jacob Coulter says, what makes Fulci so iconic is that he had the versatility of a craftsman who played with surrealism in a variety of eye-catching, often grotesque ways. His films will carry with them a unique feel and a coherent visual style. Even his late output has its charms. Well, Chris Shaka says, I love that Fulci followed his vision of moods and atmosphere unbeholden, sometimes antagonistic to plot or logic. Plus, he was an incredibly sensory director. Uh, and finally, Laurent... Laurent Hasson says, an incredibly broad repertoire filled with a few masterpieces, a handful of great films, many good films, and a few lemons. And the ability to bring in fantastic soundtracks. Short of Argento, whom else has so many films with so many great soundtracks? Have to agree on that. I love the music in Zombie mm. Flesh Eaters. Yeah. The soundtrack to Don't Torture the Duckling is really good as well. So, lots of positive responses to talking about the director. So, he before this, he wasn't interested in horror. 
and someone came to him and said, "Do you want to do it?" And he was like, "Oh, okay, I'll make you know, I'll, I'll make somebody from I made it." Forty horror films in ten years. And then, <laughs> he went on and made the Gates of Hell trilogy, which is like a big vid- two of them were video nasties, weren't they? The Beyond and House by the Cemetery. Mm. Yeah, City of the Living Dead wasn't. So it was shockingly a video nasty. No, whereas that's the one with a girl vomits a guts up. Yeah, literally. Um, it's a bit. We've watched that together. I think it's a bit mm. surreal, though. I think. It does not again. Nothing that really explains. In one scene, zombies have the power to teleport for no mm. reason, and then oh, it, yeah. and then it disappears in the next scene. It's like so. This is one of his more cohesive films. He did watch uh, Captain the Brain recently, didn't he? Yeah. So, <laughs> um, long story short, so as his career went on, he sort of got like a bad reputation for the way he carried on. He was a very tragic person. Now, like um, his wife uh, stuck her head in the oven. In 1969, because she found out she was terminally ill and killed herself. Oh. And then there's all these rumours that he lost oh a child in the 70s who died in a car crash, but he's never confirmed it. So I think he was very, he was a very mm. troubled man. He's not going to confirm it now, is he? He's not going to confirm it now. <laughs> and then, you know, his stock dwindled. And he made this film called Cat in the Brain that me and Jonathan watched a while back. And essentially what happens in the film is it's about a serial killer. It's about, he, it's about him. It's like meta, so it's about, <laughs> it's about Lucio Fulci making a film and some there's a serial killer who's killing people all around him yeah but they didn't have the money to finish the film and he was he was ill and found out he was actually really seriously yeah, ill yeah he died not long after did he it was quite, yeah it was quite a while after but he, he was really ill with diabetes and liver problems and stuff so he couldn't finish making the film so what he did was he filmed inserts where he would say he would go into a house I'd say, oh my God, what are you doing? And then it cuts one of his old films of someone being murdered. And then cut, <laughs> then cut back to him saying, you know, put that knife down. And then it cut back to someone with a knife from one of his old films. <laughs> so it's like, it like clip shows of his, not his classic films, but his more, uh, his later ones that less people had seen. Um, I think the kid's being beheaded. There was a kid, there's a kid there's, getting his head cut off. Is he, he's riding around on a tricycle. And someone just shoves like a saw out or something yeah. and he chops his head off. But they're all from his older films. Um, just, and I, he passes it off as... As a new film. <laughs> and the ending. So the ending. In the end, the killer is caught and shot by the police. But we don't see it. The police just say, oh yeah, we caught him and shot him. <laughs> <laughs> and you've been waiting for the whole, to see what happens to the killer. And, oh yeah. You get, you get one scene of his, he's just getting covered up with a blanket. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he's dead. We shot him. Yeah. Wow. So that's the kind of, yeah, that's, that's how he ended up. And then he died. And, like, and you have possibly the greatest scene of exposition in any film ever. Where the killer <laughs> explains his plot. Yeah. Yeah. Because me and John, to the camera. Yeah. Me and John were watching it and, and he was going, I know what's going on. He's doing this, this, and this. And then the killer turns to camera and goes, I'm going to do this, this, and that. <laughs> it's really funny. So he's a real character and he made some really f- amazing films. New York Ripper. You've just watched New York Ripper. I love it. Definitely love it. I learned that to someone in work and he watched it um, uh, last week on um, International Women's Day. He has been accused of being extremely misogynistic with his films. I think that's for another podcast anyway. But anyway, I think this year should be a year where we do cover more of his stuff because I think we'll have a real yeah. scream watching them as well. Um, but this is a good jumping off point for anyone yeah. who wants to yeah. watch a Fulci film. So would you recommend it to people? Definitely. Go for it. Stephen? Definitely. 100%. Go and watch it if you haven't seen it. We really enjoyed it. What do you think of it? If you'd like to get in touch with us and let us know, you can get hold of me uh, on Twitter, at Johnny Larkin. 
You can get Jonathan Butler. Uh, Cthulhu 502. You can get Stephen Moore. HD 99. And you can get Martin. I'll be on a abandoned boat hiding in a cupboard. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing new there. Where can they find you? Thank you very much for listening and we shall be back on uh, in a couple of weeks. I thought you were going to say you'd be hiding on the tool. <laughs> <laughs>